Hi, this is Andrew Lotto. Welcome to another edition of Sadistically Speaking. This is episode 27, The Failed Dialectic of the Anti-Vaxxer. Fuck them all. I was recently sent a video of an interview with a certain Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, a warning of the dangers of the COVID vaccine, which was appropriate since I had just made a podcast about vaccines. Now, Dr. Tenpenny is a longtime anti-vaxxer, 20 years. Uh, in fact, just a few days ago, a group that calls itself the Center for Countering Digital Hate, which sounds reputable to me, listed her as a member of the Disinformation Dozen one of the 12 people who apparently account for 65% of the anti-vax content circulating on social media. <laughs> that doesn't sound as cool as being one of the Chicago 7 or the Dirty Dozen, but I guess you have to be part of some group. Anyway, I watched this video with Dr. Tenpenny, and there were five major warning signs to me that let me know that this was not going to be very useful or informative. The first is that I don't trust people who insist on calling themselves doctor such as Dr. Tenpenny or Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz or Dr. Fauci. I don't insist on Dr. Andy, by the way. It always seems to me that this is a justification for accepting what you have to say from a place of authority. That is, there's a doctor before my name, so everything I'm about to say has to be true. Also, it probably covers up some hidden insecurities about your credentials, like... Philip Calvin McGraw, who goes as Dr. Phil, got his bachelor's at some place called Midwestern State University and his PhD at fucking University of North Texas. His dissertation was Rheumatoid Arthritis, a Psychological Intervention, which sounds to me like prostate cancer, some talking therapies. Then there's Sherry Tenpenny, who insists on Dr. Tenpenny, after her stellar education of a BA from University of Toledo and a doctor of osteopathic medicine from something called the Kirksville College of Osteopathic Medicine. Very catchy. Now I'll admit, Anthony Stephen Fauci did get his MD at Cornell and he has published a lot of research. But I think the Dr. Fauci moniker is there to make up for his very underwhelming penis size. <laughs> Which is why it's hilarious to me when Trump calls him Tony. Anyway, Dr. Tenpenny is not a scientist per se and doesn't have a research career. She does, however, run the Tenpenny Integrative Medical Center in Ohio, which brings us up to warning sign number two. Dr. Tenpenny has a strong vested interest in being an anti-vaxxer. Vaccines are what we would say are a result of functional medicine as opposed to integrative medicine, which is the bread and butter of her center. I mean, it could be integrative, a vaccine, if you gave the vaccine and then asked someone about their relationship with their mother. But in general, the type of people who go to her center are the type that are wary of traditional functional medicine. So attacking vaccines drums up business. She also has a website, which is actually called drtenpenny.com. Uh, it has podcasts and articles and you, you, dear listener, can get a premium membership to the site for only $20 a month. Use sadistically speaking in the code and get it for only $20 a month. Just, there's no code, but it's just, anyway, it's uh, slightly more expensive than a Netflix membership. Uh, there's also an online store, Vaxter, 
that sells you dietary supplements for your immune system, which you need because you're not vaccinated. You can also book Dr. Tenpenny from the site uh, to come give a talk. And why would you book her to give a talk? Well, it's because she will come and tell you how bad vaccines are. They don't work and they'll kill you. Is she a vaccine expert? No, but she is an anti-vaccine expert and that should be worth something. The point is that she's famous and she can charge her membership to a website just because she is a staunch anti-vaxxer. It would go against her self-interest to say something else, anything else. To say anything positive about vaccines is not part of the business plan. By the way, she also claims the whole COVID response is a conspiracy, and you can learn about it if you pay for one of her training webinars, Hugs Over Masks. I'm not joking. I'm not sure what the training is to just ignore mask mandates and social distancing guidelines, but whatever. The third warning sign is that she doesn't refer to any particular studies in this interview. She mentioned some immunologist friend of hers as a source. He told me some stuff. She doesn't provide a name. Maybe it's Dr. Phil. Maybe he thinks psychological therapy will help with your COVID. I don't know. She provides no data, no graphs. She just makes claims without citations. She doesn't even have any PowerPoint slides, for Christ's sakes. She just demonstrates cellular processes by making hand gestures that look like sexual acts. The fourth warning sign is that while talking, she uses a lot of jargon. Now, in this interview, she goes into a lot of detail about cellular processes, and it seems to come straight out of some intro to immunology course. Uh, And like when you would take a biology course, listening to her, your mind starts to wander and you stop paying attention. She's not trying to make anything clearer. She's using a lot of terms in order to accomplish two things. One, it makes her seem smarter, and two, it makes you feel dumber. As a result, she'll achieve her goal, which is that you will accept what she has to say on the basis of authority. She must be smart. What she's saying has to be true. It's a classic approach of the intellectually dishonest. What she's saying is actually not that complex in terms of what's happening in the immune system. But many of the words she uses will be unfamiliar to most viewers. In the version of video I saw, there was an attempt by someone to provide a summary transcription, and they actually write in the transcription, too complicated for me, so I did not take notes. Always a good sign. Finally, the last warning sign was that the interview was on InfoWars with fucking Alex Jones. Nothing marks legitimate science like involving Alex Jones. This dimwit pushed QAnon theories, claimed that the Sandy Hook school shooting was a hoax using actors perpetrated by the U.S. government, which is a claim he had to take back once he was sued for it. And, Jones claims, the government has developed chemicals that turn people, and frogs, gay. (laughs) The gay bomb. He also sells his own line of homeopathic dietary supplements for your immune system, much like Tenpenny, uh, for those people who are fearful of getting vaccines. So not only is Dr. Tenpenny agreeing to be interviewed by Jones, this shameless nutcase, but she spends the first part of the interview licking his butthole about what an important fighter he is for truth. There goes any cred you got, lady. Anyway, she then goes on to claim that the COVID vaccine is not actually a vaccine. It can't really qualify as a vaccine. Uh, Presumably she says this to undermine it. 
but then she uses arguments against it based on previous work on vaccines. Her argument is completely incoherent, contradictory, but it doesn't matter. She's anti-vaccine and she's anti-COVID vaccine, even though it doesn't count as a vaccine, according to her. She then claims, without any evidence, that many people will die because of the vaccine and the deaths will continue for 20 years. She initially says 19 years, I think, because then it sounds like it's a must be a real number that she calculated. But then she just rounds up to 20. She then calls the COVID vaccine a well-designed killing machine. Well, now you've given Alex Jones a stiffy. He's excited. So Alex cries out, this is mass murder. He says it several times. She agrees. It's mass murder. Planned. Who would be behind this? She says there are very smart business people who are behind it. Very smart. I don't have names. They're very smart. Well, who are they? Fuck. Who are they? The only name they come up with? Bill Gates. Bill Gates. And that makes sense. After all, Bill Gates wants to lower the population of the planet. He's against the population boom. So obviously, he funded and helped develop this killing vaccine. And now he's pushing everyone to take it. Holy shit. I thought the Microsoft blue screen of death was bad. Now, if you truly believed, really believed and had evidence, you think that Bill Gates had created a biological weapon that will kill millions, if not billions of people indiscriminately, wouldn't you do more than appear on a show that is banned from all social media or discuss it on your premium member site podcasts? I mean, if you knew about head proof of Hitler's final solution for the Jews, would you share it on your OnlyFans site? Hey, join me on my new Alderon Patreon site to hear all about the Death Star's plans. Now, people like Dr. Dime, get it, 10 penny, I call her a dime. That's a ten, okay. She's not just delusional, she's evil. She's making money off a conspiracy theory that has consequences. Now, I discussed this in the previous podcast, the inanity of the suggestion that the MMR, the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine is, increases autism risk. This whole idea was fueled by a study in The Lancet by an evil fucker named Andrew Wakefield, who went by Dr. Andrew Wakefield at the time. Long story short, the paper was ridiculous in the first place. The data were silly. Then it turned out they were silly and faked. He faked the data, and the paper was retracted, and Wakefield was disbarred of his medical degree. Oh, no more Mr. Dr. Andrew. I'm fuck that one up. I uh, sound like Biden giving a press conference. Anyway, asshats like Tenpenny keep pushing this verifiably false narrative. And as a result, measles are back. One of the most infectious diseases of all time. Here's the real problem, though. Why does Dr. Tenpenny exist? She's not charismatic. She isn't much fun. And she looks like her farts smell like cabbage and metamucil. I'll give you two reasons. The first is that her views are banned by social media. You probably know that the Alex Jones uh, pod, uh, casts and Infowars are banned from Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, etc. So this interview vi video that was sent to me comes from some conspiracy website. The result is, it feels like forbidden fruit. 
<gasps> They're trying to keep us from hearing this, so it must be interesting. We love the taboo, which is a topic for a future podcast. Also, besides just being forbidden fruit, she's presenting to an echo chamber. Alex Jones loves this shit. He's excited. He's not calling her out. In fact, there's no one to call her out on the illogical nature of her argument or on the lack of support for her claims. You know what you do? Put her on national television. Put her on national TV with a real scientist in a proper debate format, and she would be drained of her power, like shining light on coronavirus in your body. But she's unchallenged. And it's not the case that everything she is saying is insane. You actually have to challenge her on this. Her descriptions of some of the processes of the immune system are valid. But that just makes viewers wonder why she's being banned. If you know anything about biology, or if you had classes on immunology, and she's talking about how the immune system works, a lot of it will resonate with you. So then why are we banning it, you might ask. Banning a contrary scientific view is not sensible. It's not just, and it's not effective. It's another topic for another podcast. Anyway, in much of what she says in her interview, and actually some of the data on her webpage is valid science. The problem is that she packages it in a doom scenario that is completely unreasonable given the probabilities and statistics. And this goes back to my constant rant that we don't understand probabilities, risk assessment, etc. That's why they get away with this shit. For example, she references a study in her website that shows that lung damage can occur in monkeys from the spike antibodies that are an outcome of the COVID vaccine. It's a real study. I went and found it and looked at it. Now, she claims that the monkeys were given vaccines and they caused, it caused lung damage. So if you give vaccines to everybody, they're going to get the lung damage that the monkeys got. Now, it's not true. The monkeys weren't given a real vaccination. They were infected and given antibodies because the study's motivation was to see if the lung problems that have been associated with coronavirus disorders like COVID, SARS, and MERS, and those of us who've had the COVID and had breathing problems understand there's some lung issues. Their suggestion, their thesis was that this may come from the immune response of the infected person as opposed to the virus itself. That's why they infected the monkeys. They didn't vaccinate them. They infected them. Now, their data actually support the idea that the, these proteins may be causing the lung damage. And if you then... Think reasonably, the, the fact that vaccinated people will likely generate these antibodies does raise a concern that it could lead to some lung damage. Though so could it be if you were infected with COVID, if you got COVID. The problem is the relative risks and probabilities of the outcomes are ignored by Dr. Tenpenny because she just wants to use this as confirmation bias for her doom scenario. Which brings us to this second thing that nourishes the anti-vax movement. And that is the unwillingness of the mainstream scientists, doctors, media, and politicians to address people about the risk assessment and possible outcomes of the vaccine. There's just not enough discussion of it. Vaccines are not risk-free. You are injecting foreign bodies 
into your body. You can have serious allergic reactions. As for outcomes, vaccines are not perfect. The vaccines are not 100% effective. You can still get COVID. There's a probability. Now, we have certain expectations in this country about what would happen if you go to see a doctor about a problem. And that is that they should give you information on the risks and the possible outcomes for some therapeutic path and then let the patient make the decision on whether to engage on that path, whether surgery, medicine, etc. Give them information, let them make a decision. But what is happening with the vaccine? The risks are not made clear. We don't hear about the risks. Partly that's because we do not have long-term studies that show them, but it's mostly because Fauci and the others know that if you admit to the risks, it will be used by the anti-vaxxers as a sign that they were right all along and that the government is out to get them. So they don't want to give them that, that ammunition. On the other hand, there's not enough discussion of the outcome probabilities. If there were, then it wouldn't require a headline every time someone tested positive for corona after being vaccinated. Happens nearly every day. I see man tests positive for coronavirus after double vaccination. No shit. They aren't 100% effective. It's going to happen. It's something we need to discuss. And finally, the final decision of whether to get the vaccine should be a personal decision based on one's own risk-benefit assessment, like getting a boob job. You should, after having the, the information, be able to make that decision as you would for any other medical procedure. Yet, there's this social and political shaming of people about this personal decision, and it just drives a further wedge between us. Rutgers University just announced that students would not be allowed back next semester if they're not been vaccinated. That is asinine and insidious. Anyway, this podcast is way too long. My overly haughty title for this episode refers to dialectics, which is used by Hegel and made more famous by Karl Marx, and it's a very simple idea. You have two individuals or groups diametrically opposed views, and through reasoned argumentation, there's a synthesis to a higher truth that resolves these differences. That debate is actually the height of intellectual progress. Obviously, that debate is not happening, and it can't. The anti-vax viewpoints are, ba- are banned on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, etc. The result is that we remain with only two options. The anti-vaxxers, and the anti-anti-vaxxers, the anti-squared vaxxers. What we really need to do is come together and talk over a bottle of Don Julio. Pass the tequila. Out!